Welcome into the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined by Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik at the Caesar Superdome. What a game, what a finish. Bengals take their first and only lead of the day with less than two minutes to go as they win this one 30 26 they're back at 500 they do it on the road in one of the loudest stadiums in the nfl and what a fitting finish jamar chase 60 yard touchdown the yak attack from joe burrow what a homecoming what a finish for both of those guys first off i mean that's a cherry on top if you're jamar chase yeah the, the bengals really really needed this game because like they had a lot of injuries on the defensive line and, and you know in the front seven and we can talk about that in a few minutes but you have depth questions now at, on defense you were staring two and four in the face with as we've talked about before on this podcast a really really tough schedule kind of coming down the line and an offense that played well at least well enough to win going into that final drive and then you get that big touchdown by Jamar that was just a win that they needed to have for the standings for like statistical matters but i think uh you know zach taylor was kind of asked about this in the postgame presser like this is a win and he mentioned this this is a win that you needed just mentally to get over that hurdle you had your three losses this season have come by eight points total losing by two again would have been just really really deflating for this team i think so now you're back to 500 this was a win that they just absolutely had to have and they got it well, I think we should set it up a little because they were, you know, they were trailing by ten points again. Fourth time this season they were they faced a double-digit uh, deficit. The uh, rush defense looked really poor in the first half. They let, uh, I think it was 165, which was more than they had ever in the Zach Taylor era allowed uh, in a half in terms of rushing yards. Um, so it was really a struggle early on, and offensively, kind of the same kind of issues kept popping up. But then they got in a, in a rhythm, and the de- defense settled down after halftime. Got a couple key stops uh, in the second half, held them to field goals. Six game, they didn't allow a touchdown in the second half. Uh, that's uh, you know continues to be a very impressive statistic and an important statistic to their success. And then, like you mentioned, Jamar Chase gets loose, and you know part of what set that up was you know sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. They get the three and out, uh, the Bengals do, and then a shanked punt. Yeah. So the Saints are kind of in the similar situation uh, the Bengals were in last week with Evan McPherson on the on the field. The shank punt sets them up at their at their own forty. They only need about thirty yards, and so they got aggressive. A little bit overly aggressive. Chase gets one-on-one on the outside. Safety help is late getting over, and that kind of helps set that touchdown up. Um, it, it was kind of the opposite of what happened last week where, you know, they were on their heels a little bit against Lamar Jackson, let them get chunks of yardage and get into field goal range real quick. The opposite strategy didn't work for here for the Saints. They were able to score the touchdown and get the win. And, you know, I think the crazy thing about it is, you know, not only do they come back from a double-digit lead, which they haven't been able to do all year, Every time an opponent has scored first against the Bengals this season, they've lost. So that's 0-3 every time the opponent scored first. And, you know, like you said, Bengals go 3-0 and out on that first drive when Burrow was sacked on third down. Then the Trent Taylor fumble, and it's like, oh, here we go again. Like, you know, and that's kind of what it really was for most of the game. But they really found the rhythm. Like Joe Burrow said after the game, once you get those completions, once you get those those touchdowns, like the first one he had to Jamar, I mean, you really settle in. That's exactly what happened. And... You know, and I know you'll touch more on this, Andrew, but, you know, Joe Burrow said we know who we are. Not that they didn't really know that before, but they really, really know who they are. They really know who they are as an offense that, you know, attacked last year. And they did that just again tonight, today, rather. It took a couple weeks to get to this point, but I think the Bengals explosive offense is back. Yeah. So, look, there, you really try to avoid hyperbole and try to avoid overreacting to one game. But the way that this game felt, to me at least, 
it kind of feels like one of those games where at the end of the year, whether or not this team makes the playoffs, whether or not this team does what they want to do, this kind of feels like a game where you can point to and say, that's where they figured it out. Because Joe, uh, Joe Mixon only ran the ball eight times. Uh, Joe Burrow ran the ball four times, but a few of those were scrambles. He had the really, uh, the really, Both really nice. Down. Yeah, he had the really, really nice 19-yard touchdown run. So they really, not to say abandoned the run, but they certainly were not focused on it. But what I did, or what they did, which I think helped them so much, was they ran a few RPOs. I don't remember them running RPOs in any of their games pre, uh, previous to this. So you run a few RPOs. That slows the D line down, makes the linebackers think twice. The safeties, it kind of holds them where they are. That really kind of just generated offense for them. You know, Tyler Boyd had a nice game. You know, he had six catches for 66 yards. Oh, that's an ominous number, six and 66. <laughs> um, but you, you're able to kind of just put together drives with what they were like for so many weeks they had tried to establish the run and that was kind of their answer to beat these defenses that was like okay here we're gonna you know we're gonna run too high we're gonna prevent big plays but i think they found an alternative answer today which is really one that's going to serve them all season long and that's going to be those quick snappy passes and you know you saw jamar jamar took the the pass play to jamar i don't know how many yards that traveled in the air but it wasn't a bomb no and i think that that is what you're talking about when you talk about bringing some of those safeties up because if you're scared of the over the middle stuff it allows jamar maybe an extra yard or two for uh you know for safety not having as great of an angle and then he's gone so that i mean to me that it, like this was sustainable well, and I think it gets back to the, this was a hot, well, this is how they had to play because they were facing a, a double-digit lead again. I think right. they'd be more likely to keep going back to the run and establishing it and feeding Joe Mixon uh, if they were leading, but they just haven't been able to do that this season. Um, the, the, they showed they can win this way, which is important, but I don't think that they're going to do this every game. I think this is situational. I think they really need to get out of getting in this kind of habit of right. falling down because, you know, you can only get up so many times. Teams, you know, the Saints weren't built to beat them today because they had almost, you know, six players, key yeah. players out of the lineup. Right. Especially uh, on offense. You know, their, their top three receivers were out. Uh, the guy who broke the big touchdown, what was his first name? Rashad? Rashid. Uh, Rashid. Uh, Always good when you have to look through the game notes Rashid, to find out who a guy is. Well, he uh, he uh, came up off the practice squad. Uh, uh, Rashid Shahid. Shahid, uh, undrafted free agent out of uh, Weber Weber State. State. Weber State. Uh, I used to cover the big sky. His first... So. Uh, his first touch of his career, and that was yeah. that, uh, you know, it wasn't a direct snap, it was just a quick jet sweep that nobody knew where the ball was. It was as big of a bust as the Bengals' defense has had. Um, but, but the point is that the Saints were playing anybody they could. Um, Andy Dalton's at quarterback, so not, you know, options are limited with him. You know, he's, very, he's, a, he's a good quarterback. He can make all the throws, but they have to play a specific style. And then they were rotating in Taysom Hill. Uh, but this was a t- team that was... Uh, very depleted that they needed to beat, um, and so you know they did. But uh, so on that point, though, should they play this way every week? Let's pretend instead of going down seven nothing, ten, what you know, whatever they go down, like let's pretend they're up. Should they play this way? I think they should because this is an offense that is built upon passing the ball. You're, the weapons you have at receiver, you know, you have T Higgins who who played the whole game today, which was big, I think. You now you have you have T, you have Jamar, you have Tyler Boyd. Hayden Hurst is kind of growing and he's just kind of is what he is and he's a valuable weapon. So like should they play this way? I think they should. Like I think this is the way that you have to play if you're the Bengals and I say have to play and that sounds like a negative, but like they scored 30 points today and I get that they had to come back and they had to do all of those things but I think you could make a damn good case that this is kind of how that they how they should run their offense for the final you know but 11 games I of the season. I think it's concerning still that 
they can't run the ball in certain critical situations. Right. You know, they get down inside the 20. They don't even Agreed. attempt to run the ball. So I, I think it's a little scary to sort of just abandon it in the sense that they're going to, in short yardage situations. They've been dicey this year. I think that they want – and for Zach Taylor, he said it's, you know, style doesn't matter as long as, you know, what you could do. So, you know, this game they had to do with the, the run and gun, the RPO way. But I think that they're going to want to kind of be able to uh, impose their will on teams and run the ball down their throat. You know, because Joe Mixon, you know, they they still feel good about him, and he had a very good uh, carry today where he made a guy miss. I think it was on a catch where he had. I think he actually hurt him. Yeah, 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 the guy's ankles are still Juke, in the yeah. rafters. And so, hurdle. you know, you could kind of see that explosiveness, and so I, I I think that's still they want that to be part of the game because you know they want to be able to play with a lead, they want to be able to kind of run people down. So I think this is a good thing that you have on film because then teams can't be as cocky with that that cover two um but i, I still think that they're going to want to get joe mixon more involved running the ball kind of going forward so kind of two points to that so you know andrew when you say that this is how the offense needs to be run there's a lot of things that i do think need to stick like there's really what stood out to me especially uh on that first touchdown which came from joe mixon funny enough that right there speaks for itself like you didn't just hand the ball off to joe mixon to run it you throw it and before he caught it Joe Burrow actually tried to throw him in the end zone. It was a little dicey pass that Mixon didn't get, but the fact that you're throwing to your running back, that's good. The fact that Tyler Boyd is more involved in the offense, that's good. That's something that they wanted to do is, you know, Callahan, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator said, we want to get the ball to, to Tyler more. Imagine you gave it to Tyler. You gave it to Jamar. You gave it to Joe on the ground in the air. They're using everyone. I keep saying they are the most talented offensive team in the division. That showed right there. Not just on that first drive, it exclamated it, but it followed up every point from there. I do definitely agree there are some concerns because even Joe Burrow said we can't just start and fall behind like that. And that's true because, you know, yeah, with the Saints, they weren't built to beat the Bengals today. You're going to play teams later on that, yeah, if you go down against them, You'll be lucky to come back, even if you come back towards the end or whenever. So I see both sides to it, but I'm just so impressed with how they utilize all of their players. It wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just one player. It really was collective. And that is part of why Joe Burrow said, we know who we are. We can attack you with anybody. That's who the Bengals are. Well, so this was kind of what I was mentioning to you guys before on one of our podcasts last week. I mean, because when, when we were talking about getting Tyler Boyd more involved, I was like, do you want that to come at the expense of anything? But it didn't. And I think exactly. that that's kind of what I'm talking about because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins both had 10 targets. Tyler Boyd had six targets. I mean, when you're throwing the ball to those guys 26 times a game, especially with that distribution, to me, that is the way that this offense is at its you know maximum capabilities because look you only you only ran it was it 51 plays and i'm looking at here and part of that was because the saints had the ball for probably like i I, like i would have to add it up but at least 21 minutes of that second half because they had a seven and a half minute drive for a touchdown right off the bat and then they went on another seven and a half minute drive right after that so like the bengals really didn't run that many plays so maybe you know like like mike said you're gonna have to run the ball because there will be situations believe it or not where this team is winning like you're going to be winning 17 to 3 and you can't be throwing it three times over and over and over and over again each possession so the, saints, but the saints had the ball 18 minutes in the second half. 18 minutes really only 18 oh, yeah. interesting they, okay they only had a five minute time of a point time of advantage time of possession advantage which i guess it felt differently it in did the game. it really did it yeah long, they had two long drives where they completed 
uh, you know, three third down uh, conversions. One was a, a really bad penalty, but yeah, not not as lopsided as it felt. Uh, but still, they did have the ball more, especially in the second yeah. half. Yeah, the ball for four to have more minutes. So like, you know, th- there are plays to be made up there, and I think maybe that's where you could make up the run game. But to me, I mean, this was pretty much a clinic of what you want this offense to look like. And as they kind of get more into a rhythm like this, like Joe said, when you get those completions, things just start to roll. And to me, that is exactly how they need to be playing the rest of the year. Well, on the flip side, with the defensive performance, it'll be interesting to say uh, what Lou has to say, their defensive coordinator, when we talked to him this week. Uh, running defense was, was not very good. They allowed 228 yards at 6.7 yards per carry. But ultimately, you know, they're one of the one. Of, <laughs> the Saints are one of five in the red zone, and they get the win, obviously. But you know, keep keep stopping teams from scoring touchdowns. He said it's about points, not yards. Uh, and this was an ugly performance at times. Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, is the way in which they got beaten the run with some of just like the really, bad, you know, bad plays in the first half, bad run fits, bad tackling. Is that was that overly concerning? Um, you know, he he doesn't he he's going to give up yards for the points, but. With the way that they got beat in the first half was, you know, pushed around even, I think, a little. Like you said, they were a little soft in the middle with DJ Reader out and uh, a couple other guys. But, you know, what's his concern level at that performance? Well, I will say this. So that is true. Not only is it with DJ Reader, but Josh Tupo, questionable uh, with a calf injury. At he went ha- out at the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and at halftime he was declared questionable. Didn't come back at all in the second half. And so that is a concern. I mean, and he'll talk about that. But what I was still Logan Wilson too to add on to the injury point before. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, Logan Wilson. There are injury concerns with Gunter going out before uh, the game. Defensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, and then you you lose. So you lose two defensive linemen, and then you lose Wilson for. I mean, maybe he's back on Wednesday. Who knows? But that could be big. Well, you know, they lost him for most of the fourth quarter, which you know. Thankfully for them, they were able to still hold off on that final drive, which I'll get to. But yeah, he tackled Kamara on a third down stop, which was big, but not for him because he Landed goes out with a shoulder injury. Yeah, it's, yeah. It seemed like I thought he was grabbing his hand. So looked like um, his shoulder. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Uh, Zach Taylor said he didn't have an update after the game. Yeah, it appeared to be his shoulder. We could be wrong, but like you said, we'll have an update. But what I think was very concerning, and even though this got better in the end, the way the secondary started was very problematic i understand like andrew said it's not about yards it's points but they still gave up both in the first half because on the uh rashid shaheed touchdown in the in the first half in the second quarter i mean awuzie missed him bell followed him could have shoelaced shoestring him whatever you call it, grabbed him by his feet missed him and there were so many other plays where uh kirkwood who was off the practice squad might we add shaheed came off the practice squad too i mean what if that's Michael Thomas? What if that's Chris Olave? I mean, Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara ran all over them. I mean, Kamara had almost 100 yards. He had 100 yards last week against Seattle. He's an all-pro for a reason. But, you know, it looked like a lot of those stops weren't really on the D-line. It looked like it was more on the secondary. And obviously, things tightened up. They didn't allow a second-half touchdown, which they've done all season. But, again, I think things got better. Things got cleaned up. But the way they started... Is concerning because what if it was Michael Thomas? What if it was Olave? What if it was Jarvis Landry? Do the Bengals come back? Do the Saints score more than 26? I don't know, but either way, 26 is the most points allowed by specifically the defense this season. This is not to be a party pooper to just say, oh, it was a bad game. No, they did what they needed to do in the end, but I was a little concerned about, like, these are practice squad players. Well, these the are reserved. didn't give up anything over 20 yards. So, I, I mean, maybe their tackling was poor in, like, the back end. But, I mean, those plays started up front with – there were really big holes and misfits in the run game on the line. 
which allowed those guys to get into the secondary. In terms of you know what Andy Dalton did, he I mean, he was only 17 of 32, uh, 162 yards. He was under pressure, pretty good pressure right. throughout the game. Um, and the secondary, I mean, you know, what two two catches of 20 yards and everything else was lower than that. So not a very explosive offense. They made a couple, uh, one good pass defense in the end zone that was really uh, well timed. But was that was that Cheeto? I don't, I don't remember who that, that was. was. Yeah. Uh, that was so that was had, a taste of hell pass. Yeah, he had a, he had a really nice uh, pass breakup on that play that could almost have been an interception the way he tipped it back to try to get it to Jesse Bates. So. I didn't think the secondary played that bad. I thought, you know, tackling was an issue for, yeah. you know, a lot of those guys. But, um, you know, in the first half, just kind of team-wide. But in terms of keeping everything in front of them, not letting any of the, the guys get behind them, or, or Taysom Hill kind of uh, beat them with his arm, you know, he attempted a couple of passes there uh, deep. Um, you know, I, my, my concern was just the rush run defense, just, uh, just kind of how the breakdowns happen kind of consistently. Three plays of, uh, you know, three explosive plays in that first half alone. Well, here's yeah. a, here's a crazy thing. I mean, it was fourth and seventeen with under a minute to go, and obviously Dalton threw it towards the end zone. You know who swatted that pass? Not Eli Apple, not Von Bell. Dax Hill, who I think only played two snaps all game. He hasn't really. You can count how many snaps on your hand, how many he's played, but what a play from the rookie. Who, I mean, that that I think people are kind of overlooking. Like, that's crazy. They they put him in right when they needed to and he did more than deliver it's pretty outstanding yeah i mean that's a tough spot for a guy to come in if you said it you know he only played two plays i mean <laughs> sending somebody <laughs> in with the game on the line um that's pretty gutsy so um you know I, i'm kind of with mike i you know to me the run defense was was kind of the issue that that i think i would kind of look to as you know maybe being a problem here over the next handful of weeks and but i mean we can talk about all this and still like they allowed six points in the second half. They have yet to allow a touchdown in the second half. Like, Lou uh, and Rumo kind of talked about this before. Like, And this is, I think, one of the misconceptions about maybe, like, NFL games in general. They're, the halftimes are 12 minutes. They are so short. So, like, yeah. people don't, like, it's not like one of those situations where they're they're going into the locker room Anna Rumo teaches them some new curse words, paints peeling off the wall, <laughs> and they come back out onto the field and just play inspired football. Like, I don't know what it is about the second half defense, but they haven't allowed a touchdown in the second half. They only allowed six points today. Like, when this defense needs to play well, they do. They do. Like, and they I'm do. Not, like, maybe not for the whole drive. You might allow a 60-yard <laughs> drive. But when they, they, they tighten up when they need to, and to me, like well, this was, t- they do get one of the touchdowns to come on the short field. Right, they agree. Yeah, the punt, um, and, that was, and that was a tough kind of yeah, spot that. to put the defense in, especially so, after you just got off the field. Right, just got off the field on a three and out. So, um, you know, that's that was a situation against Pittsburgh where they put the defense in a bad spot, kind right. of in the same way. Um, but other than that, I mean, the rest was on the defense in that first half. But like you said, uh, buckled down and, and have been very much a second half team. Yep. Um, and that can burn you, though. So, you know, they've seen it three times already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dicey place to kind of be. Uh, you know, they, I think they'd like to see that dominance earlier in the game. Well, they, so they've played five games this year. And, uh, you know, I asked you guys the question six. after the ball. Or six, excuse me, six games, five games before this. You know, I asked you guys after the Baltimore game, if I had told you and laid out all the points that the defense had allowed, what their record was going to be, we would have said 5-0 and or 4-1. and Today was a day where, look, the defense is not going to – they're not the 2000s Ravens. Sorry to burst everyone's bubble, but <laughs> they needed a game – like I was going back like going back to the beginning. The offense was able to bail out the defense today um, because, you know, you had to score late. You had to score in opportune times. 
and they did and I think that that was kind of one of the things that flipped for me today where you know you saw the offense okay maybe this offense can win a game because in the first few weeks there was nothing to suggest that this offense was going to be able to win a game that it absolutely had to where the defense wasn't on its game and the defense was on its game just enough and to, that is that is I think the most positive thing about today because you can talk about offensive identity you can talk about everything like everything on the offensive side of the ball but to, through six games, you have seen two sides of the ball. One of them has played well for five games, and you have another um, you have another side of the ball that has proven now that they might have found something offensively. So, to me, like it's okay. <laughs> like you don't want to excuse it, but if the defense is going to have an off game, it's okay if the offense can pick them up. And again, I don't bring up, you know, oh, the secondary was so bad to be a party pooper. No, I mean, it is a second half defense. It is very much dicey, like Michael mentioned. I couldn't agree more. It's just something to look at because, again, like against certain opponents, having that dicey second half defense, it, it can be an issue. It, it can be a concern. So, you know, it's something to look at. And we'll obviously talk to Andrew Rubel about it more in the week. But, I mean, Sam Hubbard, that's a guy that sticks out. I mean, had really big stops. He's been the highest graded rusher. Uh, edge rusher in each of the Bengals games this year for a reason I really do believe he's one of the most underrated rushers not just in the NFL but specifically in the AFC North but yeah really all-around effort you know and again I want to go back to the point you made earlier Andrew about this is a mental when they needed I mean there's a huge difference between being three and three and two and four this late in the year if you're two and four I mean it's statistically possible but I really don't think you make the playoffs at that point so being three and three is so much bigger that we cannot even understate the significance of that i mean you've got a really uh weak atlanta team next week which we'll talk about later and then you know monday night against cleveland and cleveland did not i mean obviously we didn't watch the game but yeah cleveland lost by 23 to new england yeah i'm not sure how good with new their england third is. string quarterback who yeah no i actually know shout, out, ba shout out bailey's I, co I covered him at wku but yeah a great quarterback but yeah that's a big loss and then you play carolina who literally has no identity this is a good chance to go six and three by the bye weekend. We'll talk more about that later. But th this is, is it a turning point? I don't know, but it could be. This really could be a turning point that they really needed like Zach Taylor. Yes, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll pose it. I'll pose it to you guys like this. The next three weeks, how much do you think this changes things? Because for me, I think this changes things a whole heck of a lot. I don't, a lot. I, I don't, I'm, I'm of the. I don't think so. I mean, I, okay. I, don't, I mean, you could get on a roll here, and then that. I mean. They still have an opportunity in the next four games to, right, absolutely. to be fine. So, I mean, whether you, you win three of the four and you're fine. So, uh, they just set themselves up here, I think, where they could stack uh, some wins and get on this, and have some momentum. Um, but with the weakness of this part of the schedule, I just think they don't, you know, they're taking it a game at a time. But, I mean, it, really, if you looked at it, if they won three of four, they'd be in a good situation kind of going into, you know, November and December, um, especially with, the you know, the way the division's shaping up. I didn't see what the final score in the Pittsburgh game was. 20-18 to 18 Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh won that, so, you know, they've rebounded a little bit. But uh, the Browns are obviously struggling, um, and they play everybody again, So and, and the Browns twice. So, I, I mean, they, I, I think they felt good about things. I think Zach Taylor kind of got in a, a couple veiled shots at sort of the overreaction uh, to everything. You know, he's like he said, we, we balk at the noise. I wrote that down, and, you know, he said, we know – we knew what the issues were with this team and, and knew what to diagnose. Um, so, you know, I think they were patient. I think that they believed that at the end of the day, their talent was always going to win out, uh, whether it was today or next week. Um, I, I just felt that they thought it was just a matter of time. 
it really was a matter of time we saw it today it was a great one to be at i mean i wish we didn't have to lose our breath going up and down the the stairs to get to the medium because i oh, mean the baltimore lost uh, i'm just looking at the final score now so baltimore did lose yeah, the giants well, so yeah i don't oh, know yeah. how that happened that, that because i up, uh, i checked the, the top the, the afc North. i gotta check that because that i checked that game earlier and it was like like the ravens were winning and it felt like it seemed like they were in pretty good command so like the AFC North is really, really interesting right now. Very Because Pickett, Pickett has a concussion. Like, um, so they're back to uh, Trubisky, which, <laughs> I mean, that feels like deck chairs on the Titanic to me with, like, the Pittsburgh quarterback <laughs> position. Win. But you win. beat, not only you beat Tampa, they were 10-point underdogs going into today. And don't forget, I mean, that Monday night matchup in Cleveland, uh, at the end of the month's going to be a lot more big, but... A lot to get to later. We're obviously going to focus on the here and now and get to that later. But, folks, before we let you go, don't get sick of me saying this because this is the best thing you'll do. Cincinnati Football Insider. Sign up for it if you haven't already. 14-day free trial. It's $4.99 a month, but you are not going to be charged until the end of that trial. That is a deal you cannot turn down. Just go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Send the text to 513-949-4147. Like I said... I'm still catching my breath because I was saying minutes ago, we went up and down the stairs to go to the meeting. What a disaster here. I mean, look, this, the Superdome is great. There's a reason why there's been Super Bowls, na- national title games, but man, it is old, it old It is so school. hard to get down to the to the media room. You're like sprinting. Like one of the Saints oh, reporters. I was running. Like, one of the Saints reporters legitimately thinks that she like sprained her ankle like <laughs> trying to get down there. Like it, it's unbelievably hard. I because it's like, I got told going here that you had to dress like the game was, like the quote was, dress like they're playing in Antarctica, or in Alaska, and I have a like a like a warm coat on, I wore wool socks. I was prepared for this, like for this press. I wore wool socks. <laughs> no, like literally somebody told me that they were like up in the, because first off, I didn't know it was open air. Second off, they were like, this press box like literally gets down to like 50 degrees. And I was like, oh God, okay. So I was like, prepared and ready and then it was not that cold and then i had to run down and i'm like sprinting through the concourse like trying to find like rooms as i'm running by them that says visiting media so like, what do you think happens when there's a countdown right now on the clock what do you think happens when that countdown ends? Do you uh, think, like, have, the, sta- the stadium like it folds in on itself or something or we're all ejected are you talking like the like, was it the metrodome in minneapolis where like yeah, the wait, snow look, collapsed there's, there's, we have 16 they minutes. just like deflate the dome so, yeah like what happens in 16 um, minutes you think? I don't know. Should we keep talking for 15 minutes and 58 seconds? And just, I don't know. I'm really interested. I, is that it. what time is it? Just it is 4:30. So I guess maybe it's fans have already left. Because I was gonna say there's like nobody sitting in their stands. Like they have red zone on the jumbotron here. Like nobody's sitting so there. Maybe like, we'll tell you guys tomorrow. Maybe we won't. We don't know. We're, yeah. We're, you, we're you, until then, you'll you'll never know. Right. Hey, well, well it, I mean, at least we work in an outlet that's good at writing obituaries. So, like, <laughs> okay. If we need to, like if we if okay. we need to remember us as we were, Muhammad, you have 15 minutes to get this thing up, or else it's over. Okay. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, so we're gonna. We're, we're going to stop it there, but as always, thank you again for joining us. For myself, Mike Nizek, and Andrew Gales, I'm Ahmed Ahmad. We'll see you back here on the podcast tomorrow. Until then, take care. <laughs>